to MGO Podcast 14.3. The preseason is now completed. That happened. Again. Again. <laughs> and again. I mean, what are we doing playing this team three times in a row? Well, but that's not how non-con setups work. We played the same ti- team three times in a row. You schedule them 15 years in advance. We and didn't then... schedule this one 15 years in advance. Well, okay, but... They didn't dress in green this time. Well, in any way... What? what? The other first two teams we played were oh, like, yeah. the, like oh. the same identical uniforms. It's like, okay, this at night. <laughs> <laughs> they bring out 80 people with the same uniforms on them, and we play them in blue. Same team again, yeah. It's yeah. like, this time they're in blue. <laughs> anyway, Michigan 59, UConn 0. I was not quite correct on TKA when I projected that they would gain 61 total yards. Mm-hmm. You're pretty close. But I wasn't that far away. <laughs> They they had a full Rutgers going on for most of the game, right? And we got we got some sort of weird quarterback substitution Rutgers going on mm-hmm. because they completed five passes and Michigan had eight different quarterbacks, or seven different quarterbacks complete passes. I, it's, seven completed, eight yeah, played. Eight Denegal, played. I don't think attempted a pass. Yeah, Denegal just handed. I was kind of disappointed that Denegal came out. I'm like, I just want to see this guy throw one time, please. <laughs> So I don't know what kind of Rutgers that is, but that was the kind of Rutgers that we experienced in the UConn game. Do you ever remember seeing any game at any level where eight different players attempted, well, played quarterback and seven attempted a pass? Uh, No. Yeah. Do you think that that was something that Harbaugh woke up in the middle of the night one day and was like, you know what? I'd like to try to do this. Well, so I was was actually watching the warm-ups, and I'm like, god damn, they have a lot of quarterbacks. A preview. Yeah, well, they, they do that one warm-up where everyone takes a snap at the right. same and time. So they, they had five different guys snapping, and then they had three grad assistants just tossing the ball back. <laughs> We're out of centers, guys. And then, so they have three more quarterbacks, and they have centers, which seems like the wrong number of quarterbacks. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so I don't think Michigan's ever had eight quarterbacks on a roster before. Well, I mean, if you – count walk-ons even probably. if you count walk-ons usually no. there's like six there's always two or three there's, no yeah no there's because they always bring in one or two walk-ons a year and they're just like i don't, I don't they got 125 guys you can like and everyone wants to play quarterback yeah. and then they move to <laughs> tight end of eventually or something i mean or they just have michael sessa try to block field goals yeah Okay. You want to just name old <laughs> walk-on quarterbacks? Matt Wildy, so, <laughs> Spencer Brinton. So this, this is what oh, we've done. This is what we've. We're, we're, this is where we're at. Three weeks into the season, is that Matt Sessa <laughs> is I think the first Michigan Most player. Michael Sessa. Michael Sessa. Whatever <laughs> is I think the second or third Michigan player to be mentioned on this podcast behind like Jaden Denegal. <laughs> And man, what Brendan Mann? Brandon, yeah, he looks the part. He's a yeah. big dude. Yeah, he's a walk-on, so he's probably not that good. They also had what, Maddox was number twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember number twenty ever playing quarterback? No. Well, there's a Kennedy. Remember uh, Jack, Jack Kennedy. Kennedy? He was number twenty. Was yeah. he twenty? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And then he released a song. He did. And yeah. He wrapped it at like halftime, or maybe not wrapped it, but he sang it at halftime during the spring game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
how many guys can we mention <laughs> before we get we get to like someone who plays? These are just as relevant as anything else. I mean, what did Blake Corum say after the game? It's hard to tell how good our offense is. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I mean, there's a point in that, right? Yeah. I mean, you think you look at it and you're like, well, I think it's going to be all right. Speaking but, of things that are going to be all right. Thank you, Underground Printing, for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshire Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M's venue where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers' new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. All right. So now we have to say things about this football game and not bring up uh, Jermaine Gonzalez. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah damn. That the one play that he was in was like, just yeah, like there was play. a yeah, there's a Jermaine Gonzalez play where you like just snipe yeah. it to him and he runs around for 18 seconds. No, they so, snap it over his head in an Ohio State game. Back, and goes back, back before the I swore off ever signing another Hail the Victors again, <laughs> I would I would get the Hail the Victors and I would just write random. I know, and I would get names. the emails from people being like, hey, I think mine got signed by, uh, I'm trying to think of a Courtney Morgan. Well, I, I, I would get like emails and be like, so I think this went to someone else because only, you would only write Jermaine Gonzalez for a very specific request. And I was like, no, I did that like five times. There were like five different, I just mentioned Jermaine Gonzalez, exclamation point, and then I would sign my name. Maybe he ordered five copies. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I wrote a lot of Jermaine Gonzalez. Anyway, there was a football game on Saturday. Uh, uh, so, J.J. McCarthy goes 14-18. to 18. Mm-hmm. A little bit deceptive because this had more speed and space than the entire Gaddis era. And that was just a response to the defense they were showing, right? But it was a response to the defense <laughs> they were showing. That's like We hit point. the bar! <laughs> So then, right? Well cleared. No, no, absolutely. No, that's that's what you want to do. So if a team is playing us like, you know, in the parking lot all day. Right. And we've had a lot of offensive coordinators who just refuse to do that. Indeed. And right. we're just starting this podcast off with all sorts so of memories. My today. buddy texted me and he said that he was watching the Miami A and M game and he goes, Miami made four red zone trips and had four field goal attempts. And he's like, is that Josh Gaddis? And I was like, I mean, I can't say it's not, but then you should look at what you brought up about what Michigan's response were to a lot of these things and the way they've approached offense so far. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. So I I was actually encouraged by the fact that this was a team that was playing real soft on the edges, which is something that does happen in the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. especially when you have... Roman Wilson and Ronnie Bell out there and Cornelius Johnson. And they're just like, all right, we're not going to let you play like that. Right. And Cor- and you kind of was like, we can only play like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we're going to do. So it just kept happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fine. Against, you know, a real team, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to see Michigan get that off twice, three times a game if they're playing soft. That's completely fine. Yeah. Like that's that's going to be – a part of the offense, and I think it would be silly for it to not be a part of the offense when you have guys like Ronnie Bell who can block 
and AJ Henning and Roman Wilson who can who can take those screens a very long distance. And they're so, crashing you on the edges too. So like if you want to run your other stuff, you want to run your counter, which is like their base play, they're crashing in the guys in the box to the edges. So like that space is the only space to go. Otherwise, you're just running into a stacked box. Which happened a couple of times. Yeah, because Michigan was like, okay, are you done? And they're like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> But the other thing is, is like they're actually creating an offense for what they've recruited. Like, remember how many times that we've talked about just different guys that have fit in the offense that you like, but they don't fit in the offense because it wasn't created for them? Mm-hmm. Well, look at guys like Henning and Wilson. I mean, yeah, sure, you can r- run them on go routes and stuff, but you can also throw them screens and they can punish you for eight yards of play. And that's exactly what they're doing. Right. And then you put that on tape so you can fake that now and get that Rodriguez action where the bubble turns into a big play downfield because you fake a block and then that guy is open. Right. So it's it's a good thing to get out there in a game that wasn't going to be competitive. And it's also something that just, I like it when offensive coordinators are doing the thing that makes the most sense mm-hmm. and not like repping something because they want to rep it. Well, there's time and a place for that. Yeah. But. I mean... There was a little bit in this game, but sure. after no, this was, this was this was the perfect mix. They right. they repped counter against something that was going against counter because it actually you can make it work. There's ways to do it if like the, if they're cheating towards it anyway. So they got a couple you know snaps of practicing that, and then they're like, all right, whenever we want to move the ball downfield, just throw it outside to Roman Wilson or Ronnie Bell and, and let it go. All right, so McCarthy take coming out of this game. He wasn't literally perfect. Neutral. like Neutral? Yeah. I, I, well. What about you? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I went back and I tried to rewatch it, and it was really hard to find a lot of things that are really going to move the needle. I, he wasn't what he was in Hawaii because he wasn't, like Seth said, perfect. Um, he missed the one read on the pole. But then he made yeah. the other one, and if Andrew Anthony gets the block, it's a touchdown. He made the really nice throw on the rollout to hit Schoonmaker. Uh-huh. And then he hit his outs pretty quick pretty quick and fast and got the ball there so i I mean i I was like yeah this is great like i'll take this mccarthy a lot of times one thing i i I do think is that sack he took on third and 14 where Mm -hmm. he rolls out that was not on him no no one was open yeah so i mean i was looking downfield and i was like i was really frustrated with the fact that nobody was executing the scramble drill which might be something that you just have to get used to with McCarthy. Right. Then they get a lot of opportunities. You also had a lot of human beings downfield. Like, UConn dropped a lot of guys, and then Michigan ran some guys into them. And so it's just like seeing this, like... I mean, honestly, I liked that decision process, because he did have a guy open underneath for, like, six yards, and then a few yards after the catch, probably. But that's that's garbage, right? It's third and 14. Right. Like, you know... Brad Robbins is just going to punt it where he punts it anyway. So that's <laughs> yeah. field, 70 yards. Yeah, field position isn't really doing a whole lot for you. So he he was looking for the big play, and it, it wasn't there, and he didn't throw it. And he took a sack. That was the right play. Yeah. Oh, it was it was Blake Corm who actually was the one sitting and had the mm-hmm. space to he because the other guys if you don't have leverage you're not supposed to run into someone else's grass right and Corm was the one who had open grass but I understand it because you know Corm just spent a whole year with McNamara where you just sit down and he's gonna find you right there and then it's your job to like make break a couple tackles yeah. I mean these like you said 
his quorum specifically is going to have to get used to, you know, we're going to do some scrambles. If I go find some grass, well, we can I get was, a big play out of I this. I was more thinking about the wide receivers downfield because Ronnie Bell is just kind of sitting down. He's not yeah. mm-hmm. trying to get open. And I think I don't remember who else was there. It was probably Johnson or Wilson. But or there were also like four, four or five UConn guys also in that area. So you just – there's just – Well, yeah, but so – they're sitting down. They're not moving. And the thing is, is like, okay, the quarterback's rolling towards you. He's and you're like, all right, well, this guy can't go to the field because he's rolling towards me. I should just stay here. That's not the thing you should be doing with JJ McCarthy. Mm-hmm. With JJ McCarthy, you could be like, I'm going to be Dalen Baldwin next year, <laughs> just, and we're just going to see what happens. <laughs> so that's I do think that is yeah. something that the receivers have to get used to. It's like, okay, this guy has an unusual arm. I can run away from all these defenders who are crowding the the side of the field he's rolling to. Right. Um, other than that, he did throw a vaguely interceptable ball mm-hmm. on a scramble drill that by the end zone, the third, yeah, third yeah. down play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of that's a negative. And we meant you mentioned the pull where mm-hmm. the guy. I mean, that was a great play by the defense. That's that, that was Brian Bouillet Randall who had a great game. By the way, the so former he, Spartan out there. <laughs> like he's a guy who like showed up. And took a couple steps in, and then it forms up. He made that very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think that if there is a handoff in that situation, he might actually be able to be relevant on that as well. So uh, I do think that JJ needs to see that that guy has come to a stop and handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't. I mean, that's a plus two or maybe a plus three from that one guy. Yeah. So in I mean, the future, he is going to find more defensive ends who are going to play it like that. He needs to make that decision. Yeah. When, I literally he, wrote the same thing. Hat plus two for BBR. Yeah. <laughs> when he came off the field, he tapped his chest like three times. And he went and talked to a couple yeah. people on the mm-hmm. sideline. He knew that he made the mistake. It's not like, no, that's what I wanted to do. I just should have beat the guy. He was like, oh, yeah, I see what I did. And that's sort of what you want to see when a guy makes a mistake is like, okay, I screwed it up. I learned that. Fair. Because he's not going to be perfect ever. Right, yeah. So well, just mean, when, you, when you mess it up... <laughs> <laughs> when you mess it up, know why you did it and recognize it next time. Yeah, and I, I think that given what UConn was doing, most of his decisions were very good. And I think if we, when I go over the tape that we're going to find out that some of those wide receiver screens are going to be options. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to be RPOs, that he is deciding to take the screen. Mm-hmm. So that's another point in his favor. Yeah. They could just be pre... I, I, my guess is that they're pre-snap... RPO was like, but still, yeah. like he's you know he's the one evaluating whether this is open or whether yeah. he should be handing off. And that kind he of had that that one play I, when I rewatched it, the the throw to Schoonmaker mm-hmm. that Schoonmaker almost scored on. Mm-hmm. That one, he's got a guy in his face, he's rolling out already, and he finds his tight end, and like the spot where he put it was just perfect to like not take Schoonmaker off of his I mean, movement or anything. Like that was that looked like a better throw than I thought live. I mean, to me, that was a little outside the frame. It wasn't perfect, but he's on the move. He's putting it in there uh, with speed so mm-hmm. he can turn it up. And we were talking about how it was going to be the Schoonmaker game, and that was his opportunity. But yeah. Mr. Connecticut ended up a yard short of the goal line. was very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> that was my chance. Uh, the, the only other thing, and Alex kind of pointed this out to me a couple of times, and I think he put it in the recap, was that there are a few times when – McCarthy was late to get the play out of the huddle and get everybody settled. They had to call timeouts. Yeah, one of those uh, was when Keegan left the game and El Hadi came in. Okay, and that that took that just took a long time. Okay, so one of those first half timeouts was not on JJ. 
It was just an injury issue. And so Keegan needs to like sit down. And just be like, all right, let's yeah. get a referee timeout. Yeah. And then I'll get out of here. Yeah. So, and the, the other one was, I mean, and we didn't see that with McCarthy in the opener. So I think there is probably something to the idea that Michigan is going to be using the occasional timeout because JJ isn't quite at the level McNamara is in terms yeah. of like getting the play in and all that stuff. Also, sometimes that's on the coaches. I mean, that's true as well. I, it, the interesting thing to me is that that did happen, like you said, a game or two ago, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. Colorado State. So it happening against Colorado State. It it's a little because Josh Gaddis was calling the plays last year, and now we're back to like a committee of Weiss well, no, the, and Moore the, and the, Harbaugh. The, the Colorado State game, they were getting the plays in super fast. Yes. So it was like I would they would check to the sideline, and I'd look up at the play clock, and it'd be like eighteen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so here, half time. Here it was. Sometimes it was 18. Sometimes it was five. Yeah. Which is why I habitually check whenever they check. This <laughs> it's like, oh, get, get him off. Get, him, get it off. Uh, um, that will never go away. It'll be 18 years later and you'll be like, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's, I don't think yeah. it's something that Michigan did to me. It's just a piece of information that I can get that I want at that time. In any case, um, any more JJ takes or are we, have we, Secured the bag here. That's not the right phrasing, but that's what um, I'm with. They on the broadcast they went through his like pregame mental checklist, and Joy was one of them. And I'm like, yeah. I love this Joy, <laughs> Joy. Yeah, yeah. It's like flow. Yeah, was the first. That's one. a that's a psychological term actually. That's like really important in sports and work and all sorts of things. Okay, but uh, but Joy, I was like, yeah, man, that's that's what I want my quarterback thinking right before he plays. I mean, he does sometimes have that Denard esque always smiling thing. Yeah. He's, it's weirder than, Denard was just like, you know, he couldn't help it. Denard wasn't going to like sit on the sideline and be like, I need to think about joy. Denard was like, I need to calm down. I am so hyped. I'm throwing the balls over my quarter, my my receiver's heads. Yeah. If you could run that fast, you'd be that happy all the time. (laughs) You'd just like start running and you'd be like, this is awesome. Look at how fast I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, but like, I'm sure getting there in a hurry. My kid does this. He's six years old, and he runs around, and he's like, oh, look, the joy of my body. And I'm, 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 my body is like, there's no joy in here. <laughs> but if you're six or you're Denard Robinson, it's like, everything is awesome. I love having a body. It's great. So in any case, uh, offensive line, we saw some shuffling there, and we saw a couple of concerning moments we got another trent a jones we had a few pro with was that as much on him or did mcnamara not step up into the pocket well he had another guy coming on the other side yeah i thought i thought that was pretty bad on on jones's part okay i'll have to see that i'll have to go over the tape and so if it's around at eight that's on the ol yeah, it was it was I can't remember. It was eight nine in that area. Yeah. But there was space in front of McNamara yeah. and that was what I was like, uh there is a step there and because it's to your front side you should be able to see that there could be a guy coming at that end. Yeah, I mean maybe, but even if that is the case, uh when you're the tackle and the quarterback has to move off his spot, that's a minus. It was at okay. eight yards too. Like you know, like the the test for that when you're UFRing is just like you count how many yards in the backfield they are, and mm-hmm. yeah. eight yards is more on the tackle than the quarterback. Yeah, and if it's ten yards, that's a win for the tackle. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Um, I had like a bunch of notes on Jones in the uh, in the running game. He got beat back on a uh, on like a loose pass to the counter one time that like blew up a run, run play. Yeah, and all the teamy pull. Yeah, kind of like ran into each other. Yeah, 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 and that was just you know and. 
that was just him getting beat off the line, which, you know, he's a, he's not huge. He's strong, but he's not, like, humongous. So he's got to get that, you know, initial pop on, on the guy. I mean, this might be a half-decent run defense. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty good job against Syracuse, which is a, has a dual-threat quarterback and a returner guy. Yeah, but the defensive end who was responsible for that was yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like one, number 95 from UConn is not. <laughs> one player does not make a defense. So mm-hmm. they might have a half-decent rushing defense and what Michigan did to them was not explosive I guess but it was efficient yeah mostly yeah there, mostly. Were, there were a couple targeting issues too um, he's just there. there's things that like a young player just got to get used to like when they slant against you on a uh, on a split zone that means there's going to be another guy you have to get don't just like stay on the guy slanting past you um, yeah I think that was uh, it was a play near the end zone that got stuffed. But like I, we're we're nitpicking, but like I Jones I every think, time I was I don't nitpicking, think we're nitpicking. Or... I think we're trying to figure out, given the competition level we face so far, like right. <laughs> what do we think about this offensive line? We also have to talk about things in this game. <laughs> Dave, <Yeah. laughs> that's something you could say before we start taping the podcast. Once we start taping the podcast, it is poor form. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Thought you were alluding to that with the first sentence of the podcast. Well, but yes. That's so, all right. so we had, we, so we did, we acknowledged a thing, and now we're trying to keep the, the listenership and not drive them away. Please stay. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Every time I looked to see like why did this run not go well, usually it was like a Jones thing. Either he got beat back or he missed out. Uh, he missed you know on the slant or something sure, like sure. that. Um, but it wasn't Zinter, which was the thing I was really looking for. He Zinter had a had great a miss, game. Though. He did okay, but you're gonna have a miss every once in a while. Okay, right? yeah, that's like, something that happens unless you're Olu, basically. Because I so I think. What I think about the offensive line here is that it's going to be a work in progress. We've had some issues with left guard because they've had injury issues there. Mm-hmm. I think Oluwatimi is a star. I think they're going to be solid, and I think that they're going to be a little bit short of what we were hoping because we've seen pass protection issues that don't bode well. Yeah, one guy asked me if there's a Wiley Coyote effect for Warner, and I'm like, that's definitely something that's been on our mind. But I mean, I don't necessarily think that's <laughs> going to be that bad. No, right? no. I mean, it, it's it's not like they're going to completely drop off. But I mean, we worried about this when we lost Warner, and we said, you know, it might not even affect us in 2021. I mean, but you might I, see some things when like new guys come in. So it's not like it's not. I'm not saying the this is what's happening. The guy who's playing the best is Oluwatimi. Yeah, who wasn't around for Warner. Mm-hmm. And then you have Hayes. Who, yeah, I mean, I don't think we just. We, I, I don't want to think that we're even seeing a, a drop off of that level. Yeah, like the Wiley Coyote effect is severe. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I don't necessarily think that's the case here. I think. We were hoping to have an A level line, and we might be getting a B plus level line. But I, I mean, also it could just be some early hiccups. Like, let's bring up John Runyon Jr. again, right? But, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Keegan's been a little injured, so he tried to make a go of it, and I think he retweaked it and and left and, and right. Out. And he graded out well against Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So whatever his issue is, you know. Give him a couple of weeks to get healthy. I think he'll come in, and I think he'll be good. Yeah. I, we've already talked about Olu. Zinter had a couple hiccups in the Hawaii game. He graded out well against Colorado State. He'll probably grade out pretty well in this game. 
He's gonna he's gonna have a couple plus two blocks where you're gonna be like, I right. hope his defensive and tackles were 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 at least decent. He's gonna have a minus two. And yeah, like yeah. it'll add up to something that's probably pretty decent. So interior line, I think, will be solid. And we know what we're getting from Ryan Hayes, mm-hmm. like at least as a floor. Like yeah, maybe he will level up, and if he gets an Ebikite this year, it mm-hmm. won't be so one sided. And then Jones is a question mark. Yeah, I mean Jones is probably the one coming in. Low, you know, below expectations right now. But like, well, that was because okay, we got a new, well, new I mean, starter, what, and we're yeah, expecting are, him to jump he in. He hasn't and be really awesome. played, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he probably is getting better at a rapid clip now that he's out there every uh, every snap. And, and he didn't play with the twos this week. All right. I mean, like the last two weeks, they've left him out when they've brought in. Yeah. The second well, they're getting him. Everyone else has played a year, and he hasn't. So. Yeah. So it does say something about something. So I I, I don't want to get too alarmists here like i think it's just something to look at yeah like we're that's an open question uh running back stuff i thought quorum had an excellent day it's almost like okay he's blake quorum yeah that's what happens five touchdowns (laughs) i do think that so we really haven't had any short yardage in Uh the season until this game and we saw two things we saw that isaiah gash may actually be Mm -hmm. a short yardage back for michigan Mm mm-hmm and I put that at like twenty percent, and then the other option is just going to be Quorum, who who was pretty fine at it. I mean, he's, he, but you don't want to. You, why are you putting the? I mean, so Quorum is probably not going to get eat a guy two yards in the backfield and tough out a thirty-two mm-hmm. conversion like Haskins did. What he will be able to do is he will be able to find whatever crease is happening, yeah, and get to it. An even smaller crease than Haskins needed. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're like, what was it? Jacquiz Green at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a pull. <laughs> like th- sometimes these like little micromite guys are just as effective on short yardage because it's hard to find them and tackle them and they're also very agile so if you give them a crack they're going to get well they used AJ Henning one time near the goal line and he actually got an opportunity to like run into a linebacker that was uh, that was like at the 12 or something yeah it wasn't on the goal line that that was an interesting play just because Hayes actually was supposed to go into that gap but that's really hard for your tackle puller to like see an early if the gap comes early and you're supposed to dive into there well so yeah uh Dewar thought that he had to cut that outside, yeah. AJ Henning. And I'm like, I don't know. Both those defensive tackles are set up outside. It's possible they're able to extend, bend him around, and then he doesn't really get much there either. So yeah, it was more on the lead blocker, but it's just a, it, it's a neat play for the defense because you're making it hard for a tackle puller to like actually turn early because he's not really looking to do that. Um, but also last year. That happened too, and like, you know, Haskins would just run through that guy because normally that spot, if you're in the, if you're near the goal line, it's a linebacker. Otherwise, that guy's a safety, and it's mm. just like a, a backside carry dude who's usually set up ten yards deep, and you know, Haskins would just run through that dude last year. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we did see that one run with heading uh, in the backfield, and we were told in the preseason that he was the backup in the Donovan Edwards role. Yeah, so. I think you might see that going forward, especially if Edwards is still unavailable for the next couple of games. It would be a real shame if he's unavailable for Maryland. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Well, yeah. I mean, but, like, the, with with this level of opponent, he could yeah. have a hangnail, and they would have been like, all right, let's... Oh, exactly. Save. Yeah, like that, this, let's save him for that. But, yeah, I mean, Henning would we, probably we, we be... Are we moving to Henning, or are we... Too. 
Are we I mean, moving on to like the Henning? I mean, because you were talking about running backs. I mean, he sure. Oh, this, yeah. Well, no, I was just saying like this was an interesting game for him, right? Mm-hmm. Like they gave him the package that they said they were going to give him, where it was we're going to line him up in the backfield, we're going to do some end around stuff, we're going to line him at wide receiver. So he's sort of like the Debo Samuel role that we heard about in the summer, and this was sort of the first time we really saw that. Well, it's Donovan Edwards's role. Okay, and Henning is like the number two. So because. Edwards was out. Henning got to do that. Do all of that stuff. Yeah, and they did use him on one of those outs. And it's, you know, J.J. McCarthy is the quarterback now, and those guys go back. Yeah, and those Mm -hmm. guys are like buddies, right? So, I mean, his first start, or first start, his first playing time for McCarthy, like, he kept looking for Henning. That's what we were Mm -hmm. saying. It's like, oh, there's the guy I know. Right. Yeah. He'd have Roman Wilson wide open with like five (laughs) yards for a touchdown. But he's like, like, Henning, there you go. (laughs) Sorry, I owe that. I know you. Stole your lunch when we were kids. Here's the ball. So, yeah. So, I think Henning had a more prominent role in in this game. And uh, given some events we'll talk about in the third section, which we're not going to talk about now because we're always scraping for Uh content (laughs) in that section, he might have an increased role in offense going forward. Uh, And then Ronnie Bell had a really good game. Uh, Eight targets, seven catches. Like Different stuff, too. Yards after the catch. And he had kind of that – he had a drop in the previous game. He had a fumble in the previous game. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, let's knock the rust off and see the real Ronnie Bell. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, had he brought in that touchdown, it would have just been like a capper. But Oh, my God. That was the that was the only target he didn't catch. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was, like, scrolling on Twitter. I'm like, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me that this is going to. And I was like, no, it's not a catch. I, like, I know. Oh. I know. I, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get into the – I couldn't get Twitter. So I was like waiting for them to show another replay on the board. And they, they couldn't show one that was definitive on, on there. I still held out hope until I saw the replay today. That was quite a throw too, I thought, because El Hadi missed his guy. He mm-hmm. ran block when everyone else passed that. And the guy came running in. And I thought McCarthy put that – in a great spot, giving Bell a chance to make a play because he was covered. Yeah, yeah, he's covered, but but he's like, all right, here, well, that, if that, this goes over his head, fine. Or Ronnie, go get it. And also, that's like one of those throws, like I was talking about. He's rolling the other way, yeah, <laughs> and is able to throw it back across the field and to get that level of accuracy on that. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah, that's that's the right guy to target because Ronnie Bell can jump out of the gym. Yeah, I mean. We since we're talking Ronnie Bell and we're talking about the the screen game, the blocking from the receivers was yeah excellent again. I mean we're used to it, but like it's it's really good and needs to be called out. Like Ronnie Bell is just blocking guys' faces off, and yeah, Cornelius Johnson's down there and guys Eric the All. I mean, they they put the well, then Eric All is yeah. it's you, just a mismatch. You, yeah, and you can split all out there, and it's not a tip, right? That's mm-hmm. like something where you can just do that and sometimes you've got a tight end against a quarterback and that's going to go one way. And then sometimes you're just running around and that's going to go fine too. Yep. So I think finally <laughs> Eric all is a flex tight end. <laughs> it, it's the weirdest route to get there, but yeah, he'd be like, all right, I'm a senior now. I'm 260 pounds. I can finally be a flex tight end. Uh-huh. But yeah. And I, I think that's a good point too, because Michigan does have these guys who have a really good skill and you don't really get to use that skill very much when the running back runs it because mm-hmm. 
unless you're breaking off 20 yards, they, those they, don't get relevant. They use it because they'll bring, like, the, the flanker across the yeah, formation. But, like, they usually <laughs> – They don't like that. <laughs> that's, that's Matt Weiss. That's, that's going to be in I the mean, Weiss offense they, they all the bring, time. They bring Bell in and, like, now you're a tight end. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's a good blocker, but I don't want him to be a tight end. I, it, it worked with Bell last year. did not work with uh, Roman Wilson last year. No. So Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you have to pick your spots a little bit, but like so. But yeah, so you want those cornerbacks to be thinking about getting blocked on those. Like it just puts something else in their head, and I mm-hmm. think it's if it's not part of your offense, you're doing a disservice. So you obviously can't rely on it too much, but it's got to be part of the part of the package there. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash MGO blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Audio perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let human elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find apartment stores, not find apartment stores. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Come to Jake's house Maybe 
All right, Seth, what's your Ticket IQ Ticket of the Week? Well, there's some tickets still available for Michigan State, and for some reason there's more tickets available for Michigan State this morning on Sunday than there were yesterday. Oh. So I don't know if uh, I don't, Michigan fans just are getting bored or something like that with going to Michigan Stadium or something else happened. But there are a couple... Uh, Seems like the get-in is still pretty high here. The get-in is still pretty high, but they, they come down every once in a while. So I saw one that went down around 300, which is... I'm, I'm not saying you have to jump on it now, but you might this week kind of keep a look. If you're definitely going to that Michigan State game and you don't want to be like the person like me who like well, waits if, to the last minute to if, buy his tickets. What if we think that maybe a little waiting to the last minute might be a good thing? <laughs> Given the shape of so, Michigan State season. So the question is, what's going to knock Michigan State fans out of the stadium? And this one, I mean, some of them are coming home from Washington and might make some moves. So this is when it starts. So they start popping up. Cause mm-hmm. Ones that they secure, and they're like, you know what? I just need to dump this. Um, and uh, I, I, they're not going to be driving it as much. Mm-hmm. So the more seats that go on sale are not going to get snatched up really quickly. So I would keep an eye on the Michigan State one. If that one goes under 300, jump on it because it's still going to be a Michigan-Michigan State game. And what is the price of a ticket that's listed on Ticket IQ? It's the price you actually pay, is not it, like – exactly what you see. <laughs> they're not like throwing another $60 on right. top of it afterwards. Yeah, right, guys. Hit up TicketIQ.com. Did you guys notice? We, I mean, it's late, I guess now. But did you notice Hibner at all? Because they played Loveland a decent bit, and he was on special. This segment is probably going to be pretty short. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder where you're going to go with this, because I was struggling to find. Because you get this true freshman quarterback, and he completes four of sixteen passes, and I know he threw more than four screens. <laughs> well, he threw a really good. It was it an angle route, I think, yeah. that, the, that Moten kind of got beat on, and the guy drops the ball, and it was probably the best throw it of was. the day. It was. It was. I felt very – like, that guy went back to the sideline. He's just like – I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I know that was, like, our one opportunity to do anything all day, and I personally blew it, and I, I'm really sorry. But just hard to tell anything from this game. I mean, I do think – we saw that Michigan has pretty good run support from the corners. Jamon Green had a couple of incidents where he did very well. Uh, Mike Sainer still does not look like a converted wide receiver when no. he has to tackle somebody. He looks like he was yeah. recruited as a DB. And then you know, I saw someone on Twitter who's like, we didn't get any sacks. And I'm like, how are they going to get any sacks? <laughs> you don't get a lot of sacks on a screen-based game. There was one opportunity to get a sack, and they just held the face off of Brandon McGregor. Uh, yeah. and, Bra- and it was like, that was the only time. And I'm not... Making a ref complaint for this game because I don't care what the refs are really doing. Well, yeah, in this but game, there, but there like, were, there that were was a couple one. of moments where I was like, "That should be a hold." Yeah, and I know that they've turned that off for this point. Like, <laughs> I noticed something uh, when the ball went out of bounds. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to start the game clock until the ball is set, right? And the ref was just like, "Just go, just go." <laughs> and this was in the first quarter. <laughs> He it's was fine. he was just like we're, we're yeah I got a I got a plane to catch come on guys it's like a high school game. let's go where you're like I mean you can't yeah but they did call the the trip on Mozzie Smith which I was glad they did because he made a great play and it's just like anytime with this defensive line you you can double somebody and get some movement on them but then you're singling somebody and he's yeah. gonna win 
So I do think that the continued production from Rayshon Benny and Mason Graham is encouraging, mm-hmm. even against this level of competition, because I've seen a lot of defensive tackles who mm-hmm. are just guys. Mm-hmm. And against this level of competition, they don't do anything. Yeah, they, they hold their position. They might burrow in against double. If you're a defensive tackle and you're making plays in the backfield and you're driving guys back, there's a certain level of physics that that requires because even if these guys suck, they're 300 pounds. Right. That that means that I think you're a player. And I think Michigan has two backup defensive tackles who are going to be functional players this year and are going to be stars down the road. Like, I think Benny is going to get there. I think people forget how excited we were about mm-hmm. getting Benny and how critical a recruiting win that was over Michigan State. Because I didn't want him to be Raycon Williams in yeah. Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly who he's 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 becoming. He's, he's so agile with that size, and he gets low. He, I have not seen him yet. Get, and like there were fresh. Like I'll go back to this with Graham too. There's freshman mistakes I expect to see from right. defensive tackles that I'm not seeing from those guys. You're supposed to. You're supposed to like have like at least three up. Pad level clubs, right, right. And <laughs> Kenneth Grant does do that. Yeah, Kenneth Grant had. Although a he had a clubs. good game, he had a couple of good plays in this one he too. He does, yeah. but he stands up. Yeah, you can tell that he yeah. stands up. Yeah, and for Mason Graham not to do that as a true freshman is not something I've ever seen before. Right, like. <laughs> Like, he, he, is, he wasn't like the highest rated guy, was he? No, but he he, he was vastly I mean, underrated. Yeah, we, I mean, we knew this. This okay. is like one of the one of the things that is really useful about the recruiting profiles is that we have this sort of ability to look at the patterns of the recruiting industry mm-hmm. and say, like, all right, this guy probably not like Josh Perry, mm-hmm. um, and this guy didn't raise enough, and Mason Graham was a quintessential didn't go up enough mm. because he was Boise Boise State commit. Michigan starts coming after him. They flip him before he really goes back on the market. And then he just crushes the best high school competition in the country, hmm. playing both ways. And has a future as a defensive tackler, is a wrestler. Like, like everything about this guy screamed, Ryan Glasgow is the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and even I, yeah. who was like the driving the Mason Graham hype train ever since he's popped up on the radar, I'm blown away by his ability to do technical, difficult things as a true freshman, essentially nose tackle. Never seen it before. Uh, looking forward to what happens down the road. Next. <laughs> I, I mean, you – and Grant is coming. So, like, yeah, the future defensive tackle – I mean, we were a little worried going into the year because it's like, okay, we got Mozzie Smith. We're going to put some more weight, weight on Jenkins and, like – Who's after? It's all freshmen except for Cam Good, the UCF transfer. Yeah. When they Good just like in there like garbage time because these three yeah, freshmen everybody are, passed him. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Rooks passed him too. Yeah. Have and, you seen the same similar things out of Rooks, or is he slightly behind? I mean, Ryan he's, Van Bergen. He's, he's exact smaller. Copy. <laughs> he's smaller. Yeah. So he's he's still like in the two sixty two seventy range, I think. So he needs another year of beefing before you're like so. Think Jenkins last year. Yeah. Except he's not going to get the at-bats because there's too many guys in front of him. Right. But. He doesn't have Jenkins' first step, though. And Jenkins' first step is uh, a big I mean, weapon. I think that... Rooks is more like he's sol- he's built solid and uh, he, he doesn't lose. You, you think he's going to get knocked down and all of a sudden he's still he's, up. I think he I think his his get-off is a little bit better than... We'll see. But I, I mean, Rand Van Bergen is a good comp and his 
Gidoff was not bad. Well, Ryan Van Bergen was an anchor. So. He was an anchor who also moved to defensive tackle sometimes, and that's kind of how they're using <laughs> that's, him. That's true. Yes. <laughs> but he was an anchor. Okay. Like, he was not a defensive He was a more, a Mike, more of a Mike Morris, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. well. So what, what we're seeing, basically, what you guys are saying is that, like, when Michigan's defenses were at their height, probably, what, 16, 17, mm-hmm. little into 18, like, they always had, well, 18 doesn't count, but 16 they had a lot of guys that they could play. Yeah, and I think and you're that's what that you're seeing because they're they're rotating people in it. Maybe every DL position. Yeah, and very early, and we're, I think we're probably going to see less of this as the games go along. But I mean, they could get their starters back at defensive tackle. I don't. I mean, I think Mazi is probably going to be headed for the NFL oh, this year. Yeah, but <laughs> if they just get Jenkins back, you get Jenkins, you get Mason Graham in year two, you get Kenneth Grant in year two. Benny. Yeah, Benny. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be... And the guy that, like, he's not a defensive tackle, but the guy that I had the most notes on for this game that I thought had a pretty nice game was Harrell. I thought he made some flowing tackles at the line, and he got a couple of he's, pressures on, I on mean, a, this, a pass rush. This was gonna, always going to be like a Jalen Harrell game. Uh-huh. Because he's like Mario Ojemudia 2022. <laughs> Just pulling out names. Well, so like, <laughs> Ojemudia is like the weak side end who was the best in space that we've charted. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, like his his major skill was like, okay, I got a zone read coming to me. They left me unblocked. I'm going to play both sides of it really well. And that's what Harrell did last year. And I think... We're seeing some more pass rush from him. I don't think that's, that's the key. I don't think that's going to last. Okay. Yeah. I well, his pass rush to the like the, when I saw McGregor getting held, Harrell was on the other side and and like maybe got a little held, but like not in the way that would ever get called. And yeah. and like they both had the same opportunity rushing from the same like level of edge. But what Harrell does is he had one play on a stretch where he got stuck inside of his tackle and just pops out of it and like and, and then he's on the outside and he's setting the edge and i'm sure his coaches just absolutely love seeing that on tape it's like the kind of thing that like a you know it just it makes everyone else better because now you've got a, a you now you've re-edged now you get to like everyone gets to just play their assignments because he's done what he's need to do and he does it so well and like his timing's great he doesn't yeah. lose his leverage and you know like that coaches, player's effective you know how coaches they like do your job yeah, mm-hmm. that's Joe that's Harrell. that's his job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So very useful player. Uh, I don't know if the pass rush. We'll see. He's he's definitely seemingly improved. Like mm-hmm. the kind of stuff we've seen from him this year, we didn't see it at all. And he was brought in as a Josh Uche type. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but he didn't have the, the Uche came in with like this guy can pass rush. We need right. to teach yeah, him I, other things. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> like, but I mean. You can see what Michigan is going to look for in the future if you know we keep this defense and keep going. Like that's kind of a that if they get an Uche level player, if they can find that those weird guys, like Jalen Harrell plus pass rush is going to be a star. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like those guys are now. Yeah, but, but you're My not hard but fast. Well, no, no, but you're always looking for like just a you know pretty much anything but pass rush is going to be a star. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, Uche was pass rush, but pass rush. He was <laughs> So yeah, uh, yeah. The, you mentioned McGregor. I thought he we, we kind of knocked him early on for kind of getting washed down. He got off a nice block to make a tackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the it, the the negatives he was coming in for in the Colorado State game was he was taking a double and getting blown up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These were not doubles. No. So he was. So it's still encouraging to see him reset the line of scrimmage in the backfield and and be productive in that way. I still think. I mean, he's a stand up end. Yeah. He's, yeah. He looks like Aiden Hutchinson. 
two years before Aiden Hutchinson was Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. So, like, I think he's promising. I think, I think it's clear that he's the top option. He's the guy the, that they want to win that spot. You think? It kind of seems like. Cause, yeah. Uh, and he was in the early. He, got the, I he got the start. Yeah. He, yeah. he he started over Morris. I mean, that was just a you know was, we're starting in this because they I think they started with four wide or something. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. So that pecking order after Harrell as your always does his job guy appears to be Braden McGregor and, and Yabi Oki, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably a tribute to UFR. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. If we're allowed to say anything positive about Greg Madison, that's a Greg Madison reference. Yeah, yeah well, we're, uh, we've moved to just using exotic for those because I don't want to bother yeah. like figuring out like, all right, so the linebackers here. <laughs> How much time did you there? waste doing that? Yeah, I tried to come up with a system for it last year where I was like naming the, the right. technique and I was just like, this is not. I'm, yeah, it's not worth your time to yeah. say it's a pass rush exotic and that's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So in any case, uh, linebacker level, we saw Michael Barrett again get a start as the second linebacker. Rotated in with Mullings for big portions of this game. Had a couple of nice plays on the outside on the wide receiver screen stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Got lost once or twice. Yeah. But we're really just picking between guys who are going to get lost. <laughs> well, the thing is, if they, they, they tried a couple times where they just released a guy automatically on him instead of doubling on the tackle. Right. And what happens is you just lose to the tackle and it doesn't matter. Right. So like there are a lot of plays where like Barrett was like eating a guy six yards downfield and doesn't make a difference because Mozzie Smith is, you know, <laughs> destroying the so other guy. So this is what I brought up on last week's podcast yeah. is I think he's viable because you can't spend a guy just blocking a linebacker and chipping through Mozzie Smith or Chris Jenkins is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think Nikai Hill Green is probably coming back from Maryland because he dressed, I think, for this one. And he's from Maryland. And it, well, yeah, well, but, half the team at one point. Was but, <laughs> so they're they're gonna yeah. probably yeah just go back to their starters. But I think in terms of like a guy you can rotate in, particularly on passing downs, mm-hmm. he's gonna be a good player. I think Barrett's it. And then whenever they did get to a passing down, they went to a dime. Yeah. So this is something that I think is their default approach now, which we haven't confirmed yet. But so it's Colson and then three corners and three safeties and the as the back seven. Which is uh, fine because I don't know if you want to move on to safeties already, but Makari Page is playing really well. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I, I don't. What did he do in this game? I mean, he came <laughs> up and made tackles. Like you, you yeah, see, he okay. blasted a well, he blasted a lineman like a linebacker. I was like, which linebacker was that? And it was it was Makari Page just coming down and like shooting a guy backwards, which you're not going to get from Rod Moore. But you also want that because the guy's being decisive. Like, sort of like you want a linebacker to hit the That's right gap. Mm-hmm. If a safety is going to hesitate, he's going to be really lost. He's going to he stepped up a couple times and closed the space. Moore did have a really like, yeah. Iowa safety tackle yeah. on a, a play that was going outside, and I, he shot up, and I was like, who is that? He... Yeah, he he knows exactly where his gap is, and like his his path is perfect. I, I don't, I, I don't I'm want lo- to say that yet. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving. I'm, I'm so close to putting a star on this guy. Like you know I mean, like this, this, I cannot put a star on this guy because of his play against haven't these played teams. against an offense yet. Yeah. <laughs> like these next teams, week, Seth. These, next week, it, it's a little too easy to know what they're doing. Like I can't, I, I can't justify it. But like I, it's it's coming. He's he's a star. All right, I'm all. I mean, I'm also. I've been Team Jamon Green for a long time. I think it's happening. I think uh, it's happened. I mean, I said that in the yeah. in the schedule preview where you said who's your like 
who's your dude or guy on defense? Yeah. And I said, Green, it's going to come together for him because he's gotten it all there. He just hasn't like phased into his body, I guess. Right. So, you're, you're the skeptic. It was just after four years it's of the same thing. Like, happening. it happened to Stribling, and I'm it like, oh, okay, that, that that was when he was a freshman. Like, it didn't yeah, but, it happening to Stribling no, it was happen- fourth year. <laughs> yes, it was. No, no. <laughs> Channing Stribling was not entirely a part of this dimension until he was a senior, and then he was a really good <laughs> But that player. was his fourth year. He was a true, he played okay. true freshman. So he only got four years. Jermon Green gets a, gets another year. Okay, but and COVID then it took him another count. year to get there. COVID doesn't count. He also yeah. has another year. Yeah. Every, in theory, I walked out with his mom. He's looking at the NFL now. He's already heard, hearing from NFL teams. Is he real? So it is happening. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, man. And 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 what's happening too is that Johnson's not taking his job because no, like he's. I don't know what PFF is looking at, but I, I found th- out that Jermon Green is definitely grading out as their best corner right now. I thought it was interesting uh, when it did kind of get to backup time that uh, Will Johnson got some slot reps. Yeah, mm. so that might be an indication that Jamon Green's going to hold this job mm-hmm. and be pretty good. Yeah. And you'll have to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to be like, you'll I'm have so to apologize. Okay. Then you have to apologize for, to me for l- laughing at me when I said that Bredesen's going to be our fullback. Cause he was our fullback this week. We didn't even get that in the offensive section. That's why he ended the segment. So soon. Cause he knew I was going <laughs> to knew it was coming. He was the fullback, and he actually did pretty well at fullback, too. Even, he does not look like a fullback. He's too tall. Yeah. But his head isn't square enough. <laughs> we'll work his, on that. His, like, bridge of his nose doesn't bleed every right. time he makes a hit. Yeah. it's. <laughs> He's mean, getting there, though. He's getting shorter. I want Owen Schmidt. That's, that's what I want. I want him to be, like, five What about all those old 2000 guys like Klein Sasser and... Klein Sasser. Yeah, there's a an NFL guy that yeah. Klein Sasser, and then there's a guy. The Vikings and the Lions each had one. They had this like you know twelve uh, lettered name. I don't know. Allstott is like the Allstott. the, the, well, the great fullback like, of fullbacks in yeah, my head. But he was also a running back. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like the anyway. with his neck roll and everything like that. Like that's a that's that is my ideal fullback. That's the strangest player to ever come from Purdue. <laughs> it's true. Like the, the more than George Karloftis. Like the quintessential. NFL fullback of the last 20 years. Where did he go to school? Purdue? Probably because Purdue was the only school that was not like, I'm going to make you a fullback. You're a fullback. Sure. Yeah. He was like, you're a tight end, and then played him basically at fullback. Uh, I think I think Junior Colson's turning the corner here as yeah. well. He's yes. showed up in the right place a lot very quickly. You'd like him to catch that football, but... It, it, uh, it, it wasn't going to count, but still. It, like, it's like the third time that's happened, too. Like, he does not have great hands, but, like, the guy's a soccer player. He's like, it's like I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed goal- to use these. No, there no, you are, are supposed to use those. <laughs> I will defend goalies. Yes, but he was not a goalie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he, but, uh, but he is absolutely in the right spot. Yeah. He's, um, and he does get he's, moved. He's showing, up on, he's showing up on film and plays where he's not the guy that like made the play because the defensive tackles are just destroying something. And then like Colson was there or when they did re- they were, for a little bit, they were trying to release guys onto the linebackers and tried to single block the tackles. The tackles would make the play. I look back, Barrett would be, get, get, be getting smashed and Colson would be whipping around the guy. Like, I don't want to say the name yet, but it, it, was, it, 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 it's happening. And I'm like, because last year I was, I felt like I was the most down on him of anybody in the fan base. Because like I was doing the grading and like he would make huge wow. mistakes. He'd be like coming in for huge negatives. And linebacker I know is hard. You're expected linebacker, to get a like a freshman. Yeah, hasn't been playing football that long. I haven't. Everyone told me yeah. I was just doing the grading, and you get into the grading, and yeah. it's like okay, argh, this, that, that you made the mistake this play. And I mean he's 
I mean, there's always a chance very that far. someone just mutons and they're yeah always that guy. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's turning into a very good linebacker. He seemed to be the guy in the center of all of the piles, right? Like, so there's a pile of guys that's tackling someone, and at the begin, at the last guy to get up is Junior Colson because well, he's the guy that's in the middle of it. And sometimes that's happened on the sideline too. All those that's wide what I mean. Yeah. Screens, it's like, okay, who's out there? Okay, it's the cornerbacks and it's Junior Colson. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think I think we're seeing the right kind of track from him. I think Makari Page is on the right track. Mm-hmm. I, I mostly liked what I've seen from Mountain so far. So I think, mm-hmm. sort of in contrast to the offense, where there's a couple of guys who might be coming in a little bit below expectations, mm-hmm. um, like I think things seem to be working out pretty well on defense. Caveats abound for level sure. of competition, but just in terms of what we're seeing from backup tackles, from yeah. the edge guys, from from the linebacker level, from the safeties from Jamon Green. I think all of it looks pretty good. But like last year after the first game or so, I was talking to a buddy and he was like they they killed, I think it was Western the opening game and he's like, you know, I know it's Western I know they scored a bunch of points and blah 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 but like they looked good. Like they looked like not only a well-coached team but executed what you'd want to see in against teams like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the defense is doing this year is like you can't tell anything but also no one is scoring. Like, no one's scoring. They didn't give up a point yesterday. They still haven't given up a point in the first half. Yeah. Like, so... And they only yeah. gave up points to Hawaii, like, when the fourth string was in. Like, so past midnight. you're still doing... Th- you're, what else would you want them to do? I mean, you don't know the depth and how what the ceiling is, but when no one is even moving the ball... I think Connecticut had one trip across the 50? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I think that they don't have is a guy who's just wrecking at every play. Mm-hmm. No, but you have everyone who's mostly in the right spot doing yeah, their job. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's, that's like you don't have the kind of superhero who's going to single-handedly like change the Ohio State game for you. you got a lot of other things. Right. You might not need that guy this year. Right. You might actually have a defense instead of two or three players that are like, all right, we're going to carry this. There are a couple signs that Mozzie still might be that guy in this game. Like, yeah, they, these games, he does not have to do very much. And like, they're – and like – when he once in a while tries to, I think he's going to come in for one negative because it was a third and six and like basically got RPO because it was the one time he didn't try to just destroy a double. Instead, mm-hmm. he like tried to swim to the backfield and they, you know, they get the free block that way. And that was, and that's it. Like he's, he doesn't, he, he's gotten to sleep through most of these games. He's only got like, I think 40 snaps or something like that in the first two games. It's like Mozzie Smith, he probably is, it's probably still happening. It's just, we only get a couple plays for him every game, and it's like, why do I have to do anything but eat a double right now? Well, yeah, and they've been rotating so much there, probably because they want to develop that depth. Right. Like, yeah, I think you're going to see more Mozzie Smith starting this weekend, and it's going to be kind of a, hopefully it'll be a revelation. Yeah. We'll see. And Jenkins is going to come out with another super high score this game. Let's, so sh- 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 <laughs> We're going to try to hide him from the NFL for one more game. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and we have content for this section. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management. 
in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Chicks down in Texas, all the way to New Orleans where the girls cook catfish. And in LA, every chick's an actress. Hollywood status with the shaded glasses. To Detroit, yeah, the place that I rest, where the ladies got asses and la la sex. 
And how the land of y'all is one of the best Where they speak southern slang and smoke lasses And New York women are way too fresh Too much on your mind Let me ease that stress I wish you all were mine It's so selfish Maybe I'm feeling myself too much I guess Why? So my lady oh, Not Randy Jason David I need takes hotter than RG3 after he hears something vaguely sexual. <laughs> oh, God. oh boy. I I don't know, but I turned around on him after that. <laughs> I kind of like that. Like that's not my hot take. That man is horny. <laughs> he is definitely. Stop. <laughs> He's got some thoughts. Seth, give me your hottest take. You are allowed to hurdle fools and should practice doing so. What? Michigan has like had multiple opportunities to hurdle fools. Luke Schoonmaker would have scored a touchdown. All he did was hurdle his fool. Uh, and Quorum had a couple opportunities against Hawaii. Another one in this one. He where took like, one against Hawaii. He did. He did. He, did. he yeah, hurdled a fool. He, he hurdled one fool against Hawaii. He had other opportunities as well. And so did... Um, you just want to give everybody a jet pack. <laughs> yes. I want all the fools hurt. You want football played on the moon. It's moon football. The plays are I call it moon ball. The plays are there. We and had one of those games, yeah. Brian. Yeah. Henning had an opportunity in this one, maybe. Like, try it. Try it. Because, like, you know, you go up and, like, you know, worst case scenario, you're just landing on the guy's face and falling forward. Worst case worst scenario, case... you're landing on your head and breaking your neck. Okay, okay. There's that, Worst too. case scenario, B. John <laughs> Robinson had his butt touch his helmet last year. So. But there's been so many times in these games so far where, like, there's been, like, okay, it's going to happen. And, and, like, now that I'm so invested in this, like, I really Seth, you have as much of a one-track mind as RG3. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jason, give me your hottest take. Andrew Stuber was a good tackle. <laughs> <laughs> he got drafted. Yeah, he's playing He's playing pro. So maybe not the hottest take in the world, but maybe he wasn't just a good tackle. Maybe he was a great tackle. I mean, no offense to Trent a. Jones, but we've been playing traffic cones, and he's getting worked a lot. Some so offense to Trent I'm like, Jones. Wait, look – you know, yes, it's great to have a lot of potential, and yes, it's great to be the next big guy coming down the pike, but we were pretty spoiled with how good Andrew Stuber was um, last year, and I think we're realizing that right now. And I am, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I was nervous about facing like real dudes with multiple moves as we head into. Act, the actual season. Am I wrong to feel that? Somebody please talk me off this ledge. I mean, it's a it's a concern. Uh, you know, guys early in their career, though, I think sometimes have some hiccups that they, they iron out. So I'm hoping that's what we see here. But it's something we talked about in the offensive section. Andrew Stuber being a good tackle is not hot, though. That is... <laughs> <laughs> that is- Cold RG three. I think he was just hot. trying to be. Decided, he was like, trying to be nice from his real hot take, which we can extrapolate <laughs> from this yeah, proffered. That one. was my. Go- that's my way of going around the cul-de-sac to yell at the neighbor. Yeah, uh, Dave, give me your hottest take. UConn's QB situation is more settled than Michigan's because they only played two quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, like so, yeah. With McNamara out for a couple weeks. Do we, I mean, do we, we even know what that was? Yeah, at the I don't back know of if, spot. I don't know if it's a battle. I is think a, Warren is number three. Got, after is it a, after is what it we six, saw, is it a six-way battle? Bowman has like 
17 starts or something under Sure, his sure. He is the more established option, but you saw on the improvise. field what Davis Warren did. Like that is like the 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 top quarterback battle like in replay. Just like Warren Warren's past him. I know that like, you know, Bowman has had all this experience, but it really doesn't I mean, matter. We talked about this that like Warren is a closer analog to McCarthy, right? So you don't really does, have to change yes. the offense. He, he has mm-hmm. the same skill set, and he does move the team better. I mean, you just – I mean, if you want to go to the old school eye test and you see what he's able to do and how much he's able to move the team and how they score when he's on the field, even, even if it's garbage time, it's still – he looks like he knows how to move the team. That's a colder take than your hot take. Thank you. <laughs> Keep them cold over here in L.A. All right, here's that. Michigan has nine quarterbacks who would start at Rutgers. <laughs> the ninth is Luke Screenmaker. <laughs> not, not Donovan Edwards? Well, ooh, ooh. ten. <laughs> it's true, man. That's not even that hot of a <laughs> Coldest hot take section All ever. All right. If you <laughs> would like to see the Sklaras, they are coming out to Ann Arbor this Friday. Two shows at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, aacomedy.com. We're going to be there for the... So for Friday night, there's going to be one show, one show. And then afterwards, you and I go up on stage. Not to do comedy. Wait, wait. We're, <laughs> we're supposed to be encouraging people to go to this. Oh, you're, you uh, tell me that's no, not no, selling no. tickets? We're going to we- do- we're going to do a meet and greet kind of hangout Q&A with you guys on stage and us on stage. And that's all you got to do is buy tickets to our show. And there's like a little add-on to stay for the after show, which is like its own show. It'll be so much fun. I will talk about Brian's first set of comedy maybe. And we'll definitely answer <laughs> Randy and I'll answer Randy and I will answer questions about the team, and Brian and Seth will answer questions about comedy. It'll, it'll be a super fun night as we gear up for what should be a great weekend. All right, aacomedy.com. Get your tickets right now. And, and get them now because the, yeah. I think that show is going to sell out. That show is going to sell all... out. And I, I think it's like a $10 add-on to stick around afterwards, and like we're going to have pizza and drinks. So Oh. Yeah. It's... Well, now I'm going to stay. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> and we're also forcing Brian to stay and stand up on stage. That does not mean you have to do stand-up. No. Oh, I, I, one bit. We'll one be bit. sitting. No, we'll be sitting I, I on a stand-up. But one of the questions might be, what was your stand-up routine? Well, and I'll <laughs> Is have, that from you, Seth? <laughs> I'll be like, I don't remember any of it. No, what we'll do is Brian will do his jokes or tell us what his jokes were. Randy and I will sit there and try to punch him up. <laughs> well, I mean, most of my jokes are you can't tell them these days because they're all about how you're, we're really friendly with Russia. That was, the, that was the vibe back in the day. So my whole bits were like, oh, I love Russia. <laughs> I also, uh, the nosebleeds. Yes. On UFC Fight Pass, first episode on, on YouTube. Check out the Sklars. Make them Sklarific. Yeah. All right, special teams and game theory. Game theory? No. Uh, special teams. <laughs> well, kind of. No. They tried to do stuff at the end of the half. Uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll do special teams first, and then we can game theory. <laughs> okay. So Michigan gets Cade Colasar to block a punt. Because yeah, they outnumbered the players on the line. Well, but that's <laughs> that's something that's going to keep happening. Sure. Yeah. And also, they managed to dupe one of the – shield protectors into taking one of the outside guys. Mm-hmm. So Jay Harbaugh for the win. I, I, that happened, and I'm like, yes, FBI special teams, here we come. <laughs> and 
And then AJ Henning channels the spirit of Steve Breston with a punt return touchdown that was outlandish in mm-hmm. its audacity. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a picture of it that someone posted to Twitter. Uh, I forget. I think Mazed and Confused, where it's like, this was a touchdown. And there's like seven UConn <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys all, around, yeah. all around. And then he pops through, makes good use of a couple blocks downfield. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, feeling my AJ Henning outs this weekend. That's very, very nice. I, it was one of those plays where the guy who was supposed to make the initial tackle after the whole play is over, you look back and he's still on his knees, just punching the ground. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's always been very slippery. Has the ability to slip that tackle. Averaged ten yards a return last year, and it's really hard to average ten yards a return without breaking a long one. Mm-hmm. So I think that ability was always there, and it's just sort of luck about whether you actually. Get the get the big one, and he's got the big one, and I think we're going to see maybe a couple more from him this year. Yeah, you know, UConn special teams, but like one of the things is they had uh, George Caraton, who's a former Michigan player, <laughs> yeah. who looked great. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, now the the, the next best special team player is, is like that. We're just producing punters. <laughs> it's um, with, like, I mean, I'm gonna start calling this, us Australia Junior. This is the second position that Jay Harbaugh's done it with because you know he lost Charbonnet to UCLA, and it's like. Yes, he has to go because there's not enough snaps for him. And apparently that's happening with special teamers as well. Because uh, <laughs> punters are just leaving. Yeah. <laughs> they don't pun enough. <laughs> just, well, oh, and Caraton wasn't going to get the start. He was stuck behind these guys. So, yeah. you know, yay. He, so he was like, who's going to punt a lot? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. He went to Arkansas first, but he was oh. like, no, these guys don't punt enough. These don't either. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know what? He had a smile on his face after the the punt block too. He's just like, "Yeah, I've seen that one before." <laughs> <laughs> got me, Jay. You got me again. And then they try a sixty-two yard field goal, which I thought was perfect for FEI special team purposes. Because <laughs> if he misses that, who cares? If he makes it, you get a billion points. Also. Everyone was so excited. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone was... stood up Well, that would and, be like, the longest cheered. field goal in Michigan history. Uh-huh. Right. But it was also, like, a 70 to nothing game in a game that's the third game where everyone's kind of asleep anyway. Yeah. And, like, you don't even have to do anything. And, and then now everyone's, like, invested in this, like, 30 seconds. And yeah. Cade makes a throw. We didn't really talk about that. But, like, makes a decent throw to Bell, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, they're in range. And it was like, <laughs> give Moody a shot. Uh, it was I, on the I, line. I, I, I said, mean, it was perfectly in the middle. I'll was, say that. It was good from 55. Yeah. I, I said to my friend, <laughs> Nordine makes that. <laughs> well, he either makes it or goes wide by yeah. several feet. Yeah. But. The, before we get away from Henning, um, he caught all the punts. Like, he had a weird sliding diving one that I was a little bit like, whoa, but he caught it. And then the other one was down the sideline. He ran over and caught and then had a you know, plus few yards return, something like that. But it's, they're not. No punts hit the ground yesterday. I don't, including uh, when, the he one, was, when he was back there. Well, including when he got interfered with. Correct. Yeah. I don't, that seemed like a completely legitimate play, and I don't think they should have thrown a flag. <laughs> like, fair. he caught yeah. the ball. He got tackled. He also probably should have called that fair catch. <laughs> he did, yeah. I mean, sure. But, I mean, I, I just didn't understand that flag. I know that you're supposed to give him a yard, but I just, there was another one where he did fair catch it and mm-hmm. he caught it, and there's three guys who are not a yard from him. Yeah. That yeah, was the makeup. Not, that was like the. I mean, that's not yeah. a makeup. They just never call that. And I feel like yeah. that wasn't a dangerous hit. He clearly caught it before there was any contact. Let it go. I don't know. So, Jay Harbaugh keeps winning. 
Like it's to the point where I was in the game. It's like, does he have to like leave some, at some point? No. Does he have to go be like an offensive coordinator for a smaller he, school and work his way I, up that I mean, way? He's been here forever. Does he? Does he's he want whole, to? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean the inside baseball is that eventually he's gonna get to coordinate something, and that will be. But like, but he should be coordinating at Vermont for at least a couple years, right? I, May I, I guess like he's you know we did this with Partridge too. He was a great special teams coordinator and like you know he was moving up and then it was time for him to be a defensive coordinator. But his father's the coach and Jay is like actively involved in a lot of the things that his father's involved with. So he's you know Brian Ferentz if he was competent. Yeah, but I, I, I just... <laughs> competent, competent Brian Ferentz. I feel like you got to go hang your shingle out somewhere else. First, I'm sure it will be, but it might be he might be a head coach by then. Yeah, but like yeah. that's why I feel like he's yeah. got to spread those wings. Like head coach a Mac like, team or something. It's like does does Michigan have offensive coordinator? I mean, like we we yeah, I'm sure they do, but it's like supposedly Sharon Moore, but it's also Matt Weiss. I mean, they had issues years ago where they couldn't get plays in because everyone was calling yeah. the play at the same time. But now they seem to have ironed that out, and you still don't really know exactly where all this stuff is coming from. There could be two or three different angles, and like you know, you were saying, so if he's going to be a coordinator here, well, he's probably going to have help. <laughs> yeah, I just you know the I, the optics of it. Like if he's able to go somewhere else and do some good things somewhere else, then it's like okay, we know who's responsible for that, and sort of that last vestige of the nepotism is no longer a concern. I don't know. I don't care. I mean, like he's, he doesn't—he doesn't seem to care. He's a—he's a great recruiter. Everything he yeah. touches is amazing, and he wants to be at Michigan. Right. Shut up. That's—I mean, that's—that's that's what it. But that's what it seems like, honestly. All right. Because yeah. You guys, guys feel very strongly about no this. one. No, I, if you are still saying Jay Harbaugh nepotism, you just—you you don't know what's well. Anymore. But we we know we know that he's an excellent special teams coach. We know that he's a good recruiter. We don't know if he's able to coordinate an offense okay but we he's don't been know. involved in the offense for you know well now he's actually a defensive coach he's coaching the safeties and the safeties look great <laughs> what were we just saying <laughs> what were we just saying Makari Page looks right, like he's really to, turned tell a tell me corner. to shut up again <laughs> shut up <laughs> last thing I didn't mes- mention this in the offense I, we did the first down um, passing plays percentage wise yeah. and they were eight of 18 so that percentage is going up and mccarthy is getting more of those reps and snaps and so that's 44 percent. i believe that's higher than the last two weeks as well yeah it's close to close to dead even yeah so. all right any any last uh words on well the special teams because we gonna want to talk about the uh the game theory at all what, what was the game theory here no well the the Michigan State uh, Washington game had a had like a fourth quarter decision or uh, sorry they went for a lot of fourth downs well, well they, they went for a deep lot in their own end they were down like three I agree the no time. state was always state was like they're they're like the masters of fourth and six under Mel Tucker they kind of are no not even under Mel Tucker just they well, have been I yeah mean, the choices there I thought were fairly obvious I mean. You have no defense. What air defense <laughs> no, do it was actually, No, it was actually not a Michigan State decision. I think it was Washington using their last timeout in fourth and five without taking any time off the clock like okay. before they go for their 52-yard That's kick. That's bad. And they, Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but then it actually worked out for them. because Then they then they took 20 seconds off the next play and like just to get the next yeah. snap off, and then they scored a touchdown because Michigan State's secondary is so bad. I feel like 
we don't really have any game theory to talk about anymore because we just we we won. We did go over one. Yeah, the bloggers like took the, over. Yeah, the bloggers won, and now everybody goes for it on fourth down, and there's no more conversations to be had. We did not mention that Cade got a standing ovation from the entire stadium. That's true. Yes, and that was a big thing after what happened last week with certain folks. I don't want to say I told you so, deciding. but I was like, yeah, I I was. Uh, b- because everyone was like uh, on our message board, and Brian McKenzie made his like punt counterpunt against it too. And I was like, "You don't have to tell people; they know. Yeah, like they're not going to. Well, they don't telling people helps. I yeah, don't, but, I don't think that that was representative of the majority of the fan base. I think there was a number of just probably yeah, was, students in the end zone because it was coming from one small area last week that this was kind of rectified by basically everyone in the stadium. So the frat boys did it. I did not see who it was you could just see a corner where it was coming it was not like half of a stadium but if you want to blame them i suppose some random people wearing letters of a language i will not say (laughs) no it was i i I don't know who it was but there was a lot of people over over the week who were like chastising and i was just like chastise away but you don't have to the fan base is going to come Everyone saw it, and just like with Ronnie Bell when he had the Penn State drop. Michigan, the pr- like, the yeah. proportion of Michigan fan base that's the get-or-done wing is relatively small compared to most other colleges. So I, yeah. Well, but that isn't reflective of the students, and I think the booing was comfort- coming from okay. the students. Well, I didn't, nobody mentioned that. Uh, speaking of the Michigan fan base and its like abilities, we do not need a guy on a microphone telling us when to do oh, the M-I-C-H-I. Yeah, yeah, oh my here. goodness! Like, you know who that is? Yeah, it's Anthony Bellino. He does the. It's the PA guy. In the Chrysler. PA guy in Chrysler. He's great in Chrysler. Sure. You remember? Remember the free pizza guy? Yeah. Anthony Bellino is like yeah. a massive upgrade. Yes. Yes. He's, he's and he's fine in Chrysler. Michigan Stadium does not need somebody telling us how to do cheers. An, we've been doing for a hundred years. An on-field MC. Yeah. yeah. Especially when the cheer is go blue. <laughs> We're spelling Michigan. We've, we've got this. <laughs> the, I think what it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, and so I don't want to just be completely definitive on this, but the explanation to me seems to be that he wants to be involved in the football. No, I don't think it has anything you to don't do think with so? Anthony Bellino's desires and wishes. I think it, it, like, you know, they, they've introduced like a host at Yoast Ice Arena. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's college like, hockey in and of itself sometimes is very minor league sports. Well, but Michigan football is No, I mean, not. it's just there's some MBA in the athletic department who should be immediately fired. <laughs> well, but that's been the case a for idea. a long time. No, but there's one particular guy <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> who keeps like bringing this up in meetings like, we could have a host for He's got to be a, a Dave Brandon holdout, right? He got like a 10-year ah, contract no, from Brandon. at this and, point, like... <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that yeah. Ward Manual is not that different from Dave Brandon, except he's not like the worst person in the world. <laughs> Second worst person in the world, sorry. Third, third. Let I mean, me. what a guy! What a guy to follow because, like, you know, Ward gets a lot of leeway when we're like, "Not Dave Brandon." <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of the like environment stuff in the stadium is mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what Brandon would do. Except we we don't have like the so he's puppeting someone, the dog groomer song or anything like that. <sighs> oh man, just I, I well, yeah, that but that's the thing. If you're so offensive that like the fans revolt, you can't get it done. Right. Well, I mean, it, look at next year's non-conference schedule. It's this non-conference schedule again. Hey, we get Eastern Carolina. We haven't seen them yet. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I mean, it's, he's Charles the Second after Charles the First. Is it's what he really, is. I don't know what that means. Um, 
I don't want to know what it means. I know you want to explain it to me. No, no, <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to because while you and I are having this argument, people in their cars are listening to this podcast and everyone who knows English history is be like, yes, yes, Seth, you are absolutely right. He's Charles II. <laughs> All right, Seth. <laughs> we have some Stuarts fans right. out there. Dial it, dial it back. <laughs> I need you to dial it down. All right, let's take a breath. I need you. Take a breath. I need you to study the English Civil War, Brian. If you're going to be podcasting for Michigan fans. Stop. Stop. Is is this over yet? Time to get to know. Yes, this segment is over. (laughs) Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number one. 61358 Equal Housing Lender. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Take me For I've been 
lonely in need of someone As though I'd done someone wrong somewhere But I don't know where all right, guys, we are recording this at venue like we do every week. I recommend the Birria Tacos. Yes. I had them last week, and I'm going to order them again right now, actually, as soon as this podcast is done. They're, uh, they, they have four different menus, so yeah. you can like go on like any one of them. But, um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's like a workspace here, but also Co-worker kind of a restaurant. Space, restaurant. Yeah. Everything that you could possibly want is here. And come and try the tacos. I'm just, I swear, they're amazing. Unless you want like to be able to fly. They can't do that. We welcome in Jamie Mack at JeffsCoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. Luckily, I'm not a Maryland Terrapin today, or I would have been penalized for at least five yards for something. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland, because we are playing them next week, and they're the first real team we are going to face. They win 34-27 over a feisty SMU team, despite the aforementioned penalties, 15 <laughs> for 141 yards. They also get outgained by almost 100 total yards on offense. Tanner Mordecai who has the most Cthulhu name of anyone currently in college football, goes 29-54 for 369 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a box score. Yeah. SMU punted once, and they lost this game. SMU had one drive that was all penalties. Like, it was just Maryland committing fouls. I think they had a fourth down one, too. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, the... Uh the TV broadcast was tracking Maryland's third quarter total yards versus Maryland's penalty yards. Um, but yeah, getting back to SMU and their offensive output, they ran 35 more plays than Maryland, 96 offensive snaps uh, all night. And really they lost this game because they just blew all their second half chances. Uh, their first five drives in the second half all went into Maryland territory and they only scored seven points off those drives. Their first drive was first and 10 at the Maryland 12, and uh, Mordecai fumbled. Then they scored a touchdown. Their second, their third drive in the second half got to the uh, Maryland 29, uh, but they missed a field goal after taking a tackle for loss. They were back in Maryland territory again at the 43, a tackle for loss, and then an interception. And then they got uh, back down to the Maryland 12, first and 10, back-to-back incompletes on third down and fourth down, a turnover on downs. All told, 53.1 yards on those five drives and only seven points. And, you know, they, they not only did SMU need those points, but I had the over 72. I could have used some of those. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks a whole lot. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a team that last week gave up 21 points to Charlotte and almost mm-hmm. 400 yards. They give up 520 yards to an SMU team. That's a pretty solid group of five team, but isn't exactly – gangbusters our read on this team going into the season is that they would have a pretty good offense and they would have too many turnovers because Tungo Vialo is a bit of a wild mm-hmm. card and that their defense was just non-competitive has that changed at all um not really you know I thought that uh, Tungo Vialo was pretty solid yesterday no turnovers pretty efficient 17 for 23 but they didn't really lean on him a lot they ran the football um a lot yeah, I'd like to see what this offense can do against a Big Ten defense that puts a lot of pressure on it. Uh, you mentioned that SMU is a good group of five team and not gangbusters, but they're all offense, no defense. You know, So I didn't expect SMU uh, to really throw a wrench into Maryland's offense at all. And, uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of hand-wringing about Michigan's strength of schedule, but 
Maryland's first two games were against terrible opponents. Buffalo has since lost to Holy Cross, and Charlotte has since lost to William and Mary and is averaging over 41 points a game given up against three group of five opponents in their four games. So, you know, what I saw last night was uh, sort of pretty typical uh, out of Maryland. The positives, I thought Roman Hembury was good. Uh, he's going to be a, a trouble for Michigan uh, next week. He's a redshirt freshman running back with a lot of speed. But uh, just penalties and inconsistent play dogged this uh, has dogged this team under Mike Loxley, and it kind of dogged them yesterday. And even in the opener against Buffalo, they had a lot of penalties and were pretty inconsistent on offense and let, and let the Bulls kind of hang around a little bit. Yeah, so – do we have a line on this game yet? Probably not. I don't. I haven't seen one yet. So. I saw a real early line at seventeen and a half, but sometimes those early lines are not really offered anywhere to bet. They're just sort of like a consensus early thing. Mm-hmm. I think they get put out there because like no one's put a line out yet, and people are looking for it. So it's like yeah. they're they're feeding a need, but like they're not really Vegas's thing. Exactly. Like when you look at Vegas uh, Vegas insiders, you know, on a Sunday morning when we're when we're taping this. They have lines, but they don't have any. Their column has a line, but all the places where you can place bets, they don't have any lines there. So right, and then from there, oh, it's just carnage <laughs> for the Big Ten. Yeah. I guess I guess we'll move on to the the highlight of the week for the Big Ten, which is Penn State forty one, Auburn twelve, an absolute demolition, particularly on the ground. Uh, I think Nate Singleton. 10 mm-hmm. carries, 124 yards, uh, and as a team, Penn State puts up 245 yards rushing against an SEC defense, calling into question our skepticism of their offensive line, although it must be said that Auburn is sort of a train wreck right now. And Singleton's good. We'll see. Yeah, he had uh, he had a couple big runs, and on one of them, you know, he had an SEC safety with a really good pursuit angle boring down on him, and he breezed right by him for a touchdown. Yeah, we recruited that guy too, so it's not like you know he's not coming out of nowhere. That was that was a guy that everyone wanted, and he looked at Michigan's depth chart and goes, "I can go play immediately at Penn State." And so Sean Clifford is not a focal point of the game plan here. He only has 19 attempts. He runs the ball six times. One time he gets absolutely leveled by Owen Papo, mm-hmm. who, uh, if you remember, I, I tweeted this out because there was a, the opening back when Papo was a recruit. Right. And it was just like strike after strike after strike in terms of like the top 20 spark stores at the opening. Mm-hmm. And Papo was number two on this super loaded list. And he just, I can't believe Clifford is alive, frankly. <laughs> he, he he played after that. He did. He did. He I mean, scored he, a touchdown after that. Yeah, it wasn't like design, negatively impacted at all. I'm a design keeper. Like that, someone tweeted out yesterday, and I was like, "Yeah, that's true." I don't hate the quarterbacks I'm supposed to hate out there, and Clifford is definitely one of them. That like I just respect that guy because he's taken so many shots, and like you know, at this point in his career, Hackenberg was just a broken man. And I mean, this is the fifth straight. <laughs> Auburn loss to a Power 5 team, mm-hmm. and they're coming off a 24-16 to win over San Jose State last week. Well, so, they were very unimpressive in that San Jose game. I mean, <laughs> so this may not be the like watershed win for Penn State that it might appear at first blush. I mean, San Jose State was in 50 yards in terms of total yards last week. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's a good chance – that uh, Brian Harson gets fired during this podcast, and it's two coaches in a row during, <laughs> during our podcast that gets fired. Um, 
that that's just how much of a train wreck uh, Auburn is. Their, their quarterback situation is terrible, you know, and, and they look bad against San Jose State and that athletic, physical defense of Penn State just, you know, was, was all over them. Um, the book on Auburn is that their wide receivers are very subpar. Penn State's defensive backs, that's one of the strengths of their team. That was a mismatch all game. Yeah, so this is good for Michigan from the standpoint of can they get to the playoff mm-hmm. with going 11-1, and one, losing to Ohio State? Like your best bet at this point is that Penn State goes undefeated except against Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. And you've got a 10-2 10, 10 team with the win over Auburn that's probably sticking in the top 10, and you actually have a win you can plant your flag on. Because it's not going to be Michigan State. Yeah. <laughs> well, I Washington might be a better team than people. Well, the, yeah. the, like they were, they're not an unranked team versus the eleven. I don't think that that was a fair representation of what that game was. I do actually, <laughs> I do, but I think it was just the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> but, to, but to Brian's point, you know, this is a this is an opposition could be a top ten win when they play, and if Michigan wins, it could still be a top ten win because Penn State might not drop if that's their only loss at the time. You know, sometimes when you get an impressive win, then that team loses two or three more times. They drop out of the rankings, and it's really not an impressive win. But, you know, Penn State could stay a top 15, top 15 team rather all season, you know. Yeah, the community is not going to convince itself that the Big Ten is a second-tier league just because, like, the, well, the West sucks this year. Yeah, but, like, so the issue is is that because of Michigan's not conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Are they going to have any ranked wins? Right. So, like, No. <laughs> so I, I think this could be a year where you could yeah. see, like, okay, did Michigan play Notre Dame in the non-conference? Well, maybe not Notre Dame this year. Look, did they play a real team in the non-conference? Did they beat that real team in the non-conference? They're 11-1. and one. They're the number four team in the country. I think there's a real chance that Michigan gets bumped out of the playoff because of this terrible non-conference schedule. Because one of our, our crossover games are against Nebraska. Yeah. And uh, Illinois, Illinois will be ranked. <laughs> Illinois, just speak it into existence now. Yeah. Illinois will be ranked when they come to visit Michigan. Nebraska, yeah, Illinois. Yeah, then. Michigan could use a seven and three Illinois team somehow coming in, rolling into Ann Arbor in November. That that might help. And then the, this Iowa team. So like, I mean, I, I just don't see how they're going to get the schedule strength to win any tiebreakers with a one loss team. It's it's I true. I could definitely see them getting Baylor, like Baylor, you know, in 2014 when they were just. Never going to be on the inside because of that strength of schedule. Yeah. So that, but the that would be that a lot of people seem to think that Ohio State would have made the playoffs last year had they subbed in, you know, a MAC team for Oregon. I kind of disagree with that, but a lot of people seem to think that that would have happened. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. It, 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 Michigan's really given themselves no backup yeah. plan. Well, this week was going to be a game at UCLA, which would have, you know, helped. Yeah. Would have helped. Yeah. All right. Uh, Plus, it would have generated a lot of interesting storylines with the whole move uh, to the Big Ten. Yeah, and also it would have been like, can Michigan fans fill the Rose Bowl for a non-conference game against UCLA? Probably. (laughs) Chances that you and I would be recording from Los Angeles right now? Zero, but... uh, Okay. (laughs) I would be there. I'd be calling in from LA. I'm not... All right. Let's let's move on to the funniest game of the week. One quick thing about Penn State. Oh, sure. Um, So... They have this, uh, well, obviously Manny Diaz, the new defensive coordinator, they have been throwing out formations with seven defensive backs, and they threw that threw this at Auburn a lot yesterday. They put three pass rushers down line, Curtis Jacobs, the linebacker, is in the box, and then one of the seven defensive backs is Jeer Brown, and they kind of line him up almost as a Mike linebacker. 
they sort of danced with this formation in the first two games. They brought it yesterday. I saw them force a fumble. I saw them get an interception and I saw them get a sack just on three third pat third down passing downs with this uh, formation. And that, that looks, uh, that just looks like a pretty tough, pretty tough formation. They, Keep an eye on that film watchers. They do have like the most modern guy ever at DC is a, uh, what's his name? The RoboCop. No, get, get RoboCop. The $6 million man. <laughs> the guy who was head coach at Miami. Bender. Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was being deliberately unhelpful. I saw that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving, did I actually. <laughs> moving on to the funniest game of the week, Washington 39, Michigan State 28. Michael Penix throws for 10 yards in attempt. Michigan State gets two goal line stands in this game. Washington <laughs> is on the one-yard line on two other possessions other than the <sighs> ones that they scored points on. This easily could have been Washington 53. Michigan State 20. At one point in the fourth quarter, the yardage was they had four times as much yardage as uh, Washington, four times as much yardage as right. Michigan State. And so Washington the end stuff. goes into like bleed the clock mode and it's it's 36 14 right. at one point. Michigan State gets a couple of touchdowns, but it's really just well, a they, matter of time. They were defeated with dignity, he would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, so I think probably there are, well, there's the fact that they again gave up. 400 yards passing in a game, essentially, that's probably pretty alarming. And it could have been yeah, worse. Yeah, it could have been way worse. The second most disturbing stat for Michigan State in this game is 29 rush attempts for 42 yards. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker may have been a big deal. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, they lost a ton of offensive linemen. They lost three starters. And remember, they also shuffled in like a whole plan B offensive line last year. I think four of those five guys are gone. So... They don't have a whole lot of talent or depth on the offensive line this year. And, you know, Western Michigan and Akron weren't really going to test that. And before they fell behind, they weren't running the football at all very well. So this also wasn't a situation where, oh, they fell behind, so they had to abandon the run. That that wasn't what happened. They got stoned all game on on offense. It was just a total total route. I don't even know where to begin. How about the fact that after – I almost said Indiana because of Michael Penix. After Washington's first six drives, the Huskies had gained 99% of their available yards. <laughs> right, with the <laughs> aforementioned goal line stand. Right. <laughs> the 1% was a little – that was the thing. Michigan State, they're like – the game theory on this one was, or the, uh, the, the game score on this one where like you just figure out like where the team should be, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the Pythagorean or whatever you want to call it must be insane for this one because Michigan State converted a fourth and six multiple times. One of those, they got a touchdown where they threw into double coverage, and that play was after they fumbled the snap and lost it on their first four, first fourth of down attempt, and they got mm-hmm. to re-snap it because it was an illegal snap. Like, if they just not called the penalty <laughs> and let them live with it, it would have been a, a turnover already, and then they got to replay that from fourth and seven, and he throws into double coverage, and his guy comes down with it in the corner of the end zone, or like the front corner of the end zone. It's just like, how lucky can a team be, except for this has just been Mel Tucker's entire Michigan State career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and go that, ahead, that secondary, uh-huh. abominable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their offensive line is abominable. And yeah. Those things don't get fixed. No. And, and the secondary, not only are they performing bad badly, but they're down some of their important players long-term. Darius Snow, 
supposed to be a starter. He's out for the season towards ACL in the opener. Xavier Henderson is the starting safety. Nobody knows when he's coming back. Uh, Markel Lowry, who had almost he had 223 cornerback snaps last year. Boy, they could really use him. He's not playing. Uh, they benched Chester Kimbrell at halftime yesterday. <laughs> so, I mean, what are they? Are they already on their second secondary three games into the season? They've got that you know? one transfer defensive end who I thought was going to be a linebacker, and they brought him in at defensive end, and he actually seems okay. Well, well they're also he, starting Ben Van Sumer in at linebacker. Well, yeah, and he picked up a personal foul, so he's already fitting in. Um, <laughs> well, but, like, I mean, this guy was a fullback here. Yeah. yeah. And not a particularly agile fullback. And when Michigan moved him to defense, they were playing him at defensive end. This guy is a starting inside linebacker. Yeah. He, he can't doesn't change not direction. come off the field. <laughs> he's on the field a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, he's better than Coveris Crouch was last okay, year. But, like, but, hey, like he's an upgrade from where they were. But he, So like, their, their secondary yeah. is terrible. Yeah. They're starting a fullback at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean – Jacob Slade was out in this game, which was probably a, a big deal for them. But their defensive tackles still were the strength of their yeah. defense. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this this is looking pretty dangerous for Michigan State, especially well, because their schedule. I was just about to bring that up. Minnesota, Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Those are the four teams in the Big Ten currently averaging over ten yards an attempt. Five teams. I mean, this could get this could get ugly. Yeah, well, we say that. But, I, mean, I know, but Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker's true. Michigan State is like every year the opposite of the Scott of, of Scott. It's like it's like Scott Frost in like weird zone. No, yeah, it's 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 the mirror universe Scott Frost where it's yeah. like they're the same team. One team can't close a game to save their lives, and the other team just like has a horseshoe up their butt right. the whole time. I don't, I don't know. If the and he gets ninety. He gets nine point five million dollars a year guaranteed for ten years for having a horse for being Scott Frost with a horseshoe. Oh, is it fully guaranteed? It's. Uh, I, I think it is. I think it's all. Yes, it's all guaranteed. <laughs> Matt Ishbia can afford it. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. Even, it's. It's not even a drop in the oh. bucket to him anyway. So it's not like they're going to be hurting if they have to lose him. Well. But I mean, his. He, we'll see. He, it's because like Scott Frost like goes to his like alma mater, and it's like he's going to be the the, the 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 savior. And like Tucker is obviously just there because they paid him more. Because like he was he turned down the job, and they're like, okay, what if we make you like yeah. more pay, high, high, give you more money than Jim Harbaugh is getting? He's oh, like, well, okay, that's the mercenary <laughs> thing. That's I guess the, the good thing. the good news for Michigan State is next week's game against Minnesota. Could be a better matchup. I mean, you know, they're not going to throw the ball 40 times. They're not going to do what Washington did. They're just going to try to run at Michigan State, and maybe they can get themselves involved, you know, in a game that they can win. But, I mean, I look at Maryland and Ohio State, the two games after that, and I just think get on whatever quarterback and wide receiver props you can find in those two games uh, before kickoff because I, I just I just think it's going to get ridiculous on that back end. All right. Uh, but even then, though, Minnesota, not to interrupt you, Brian, but the early line on that is Minnesota's going to be a short road favorite by a point and a half. So, I mean, they, they played an even worse schedule. Than, no, not a worse schedule in Michigan, but they played a they played nobody this year either in Minnesota. Well, they just cranked Colorado, who's very bad, but it's yeah. a Power 5 team. They're a Power 5 team, but they're miserable this year. Gee, I wonder what uh, yeah. Mel Tucker left behind there. Well, I'm, I, you know... We're not going to talk a lot about Minnesota, Colorado, probably because it was a blowout. But that defense, Rossi, he looks like he's got another good defensive unit. And you know, I think that when we talk next week, I think the story is going to be Minnesota's defense just maybe shutting Michigan State down. Well, also by the end of this game, 
Peyton Thorne was kind of giving off Sean Clifford vibes. Uh huh. Where he's walking mm-hmm. to the sideline and it's like he is hurting. Well, he had like uh, he had a quarter of like okay, I've had guys in my ribs all day and I'm getting up and I'm playing anyway. And well, yeah. then he had a quarter of nope, scramble. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I hurt. Yeah. So I, they're gonna have to <laughs> rely on his legs, which are not exactly a plus legs. They're mm-hmm. functional because they don't what... have a ground game outside of him. Yeah. No, I mean you know uh, Berger and Broussard. Two guys that transferred in, they looked good against Mac opponents, and they just had nowhere nowhere to move. 17 uh, rushes for 30 yards between yeah. the two of them. Uh-huh. And, like, Berger's the guy who was tanking Wisconsin's ground game until they essentially got rid of him, and then they got much better. I think it was off-season stuff, or, or off-field stuff that actually got him in stuff, trouble. But like, yeah. As soon as he stopped playing, they actually had a ground game. Yeah. Braylon Allen's also <laughs> – I don't know how that guy was not behind. Was, yeah. Say so what? Next 2020, uh, Berger did, but – I don't think anybody really ever got to the bottom as far as what happened last year behind the scenes. Michigan State, uh, Michigan State's beat writers will will figure it out. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, we got a lot more to get to here. Rutgers three and zero, sixteen fourteen victory over Temple. I, I mean, three and zero for Rutgers is a thing. That's true, but they also did not score an offensive touchdown yesterday. That, too, is a thing. Okay, but, like, you know, it's Rutgers. They got a guy passing for 52 yards and winning a game. That's the Greg Schiano way. You can't can't (laughs) turn down wins at Rutgers, you know. Every win is big and and good and nice. They are – Tied with every other team but one in the Big Ten East is uh, is undefeated right now. <laughs> and they well, are you by... ready for Are you ready for Rutgers Iowa this week <laughs> under the lights in New Jersey? Rutgers gained a 205 yards against a group of five team, and they won the they won a football game. They did. So doesn't Temple have a defense them. though? Isn't that what Temple's thing is? Yeah, but do we need to talk about this anymore? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Not really. I didn't watch it at all. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't even know who they were playing. Kurt Warner's kid started a quarterback for Temple, and that still didn't get me to put it on TV. So uh, the most depressing score of the week is Southern Illinois, an 0-2 FCS team, 31, Northwestern, 24. I, I, I feel bad for bring your champions there, our meet. That's my take on this game. <laughs> I mean, this was dead even in yardage, so it wasn't a fluke. No. You mentioned Southern Illinois 0 and 2. Their previous results were a 64 to 29 loss to Incarnate Word and a 34 31 loss to Southeast Missouri. Northwestern didn't even put up uh, where they put up 24 points. They didn't even get the 30 points. Well done, guys. Holinsky, you know, last week I mentioned even though he flirted with 400 yards, he really didn't look that good. He was terrible yesterday. He ended up with uh, 43 attempts for 213 yards, and he had to hustle to get there. At one point in the third quarter, he was seven. For 17 for 91 yards. Uh, Northwestern's quarterback issue is not solved, obviously. Where is where is Northwestern rank right now among schools in Illinois? <laughs> because, like, Illinois is one. Okay. Third at best, I guess. Illinois NIU. Um, uh, Does Chicago it, still count? Illinois State has a, is actually not a bad not, FCS team. Not, I mean, the thing is, is, like, Northwestern is – I mean, they were – awful last year if they're awful again is there any chance like fitzgerald's seat gets hot no no that's that's my take too but like pretty much anywhere else three and nine followed by three and nine in year 15 or whatever would be see ya i don't think his seat gets hot but i could see you know the army of uh, northwestern blog you know blog folks and whatnot kind of turning him into a kirk ferentz punching bag at some point (laughs) 
Oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, but that would be the same thing as as being on the hot seat because like Kirk's really never on the hot seat either. But the fans, don't yeah, but really the Northwestern it. fans n- never really liked Fitz that much. They're just like, this no, is who we are. This is what we I have. Don't, I don't know. They, they were pretty good for a while there, and there's just a sadness to like, like Northwestern fans when they had like the Kane Coulter, Trevor Simeon era. They were they were a solid team, and now they can't. They just keep bringing in these hideously bad transfer quarterbacks who can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. All right. Yeah, I mean, last threw, he threw a pair of picks at the end of the second quarter that, you know, they, they should have been up 14 to seven at half, but instead they were, they were tied and yeah, he's just, he's just bad. <laughs> All right. The last game of the week that was uh, fairly competitive was Purdue 29 Syracuse 32 and a, uh, Scott Frost special where <laughs> Purdue outgained Syracuse by almost 200 yards. They're up at the end of this game. And then Cuse's Garrett Schrader is getting uh, sacked. Yeah. He's thrown off his back foot, and he puts a dime into the corner of the end zone on a slot fade. That guy can play. But the uh, – I mean, if you're Purdue, you've got to be just shaking your head at how did you lose this game. Yeah, well, they're now 10 and 18 in one-score games, and now that Scott Frost isn't around to kick around, maybe we can focus a little bit more on Jeff Brom's inability to pull out these uh, close ones. I, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a Ron English special there in the game-winning touchdown. He had a backup linebacker on uh, on a slot receiver, and he was wide open for the game-winning touchdown with seven seconds to go. I would not call that game uh, that wide open. <laughs> that was- I, I thought that was <laughs> – Pretty decent coverage and not a big window. Yeah, I and I going to give. I mean, Brom yeah. has trouble getting some talent there, but like they cannot run the ball is their problem. Like they, if if At he all. could, yeah, if they could just run out some of these games, they yeah, they had fine. that Penn State game, but they they had what three different shots at a four minute drill and couldn't do anything yeah. with it, right? And in this game, well, I think that like Downing ran for what two point two yards a carry and. Kobe was like close to that too. It's just, they, I mean, Aiden McConnell had to throw 55 passes in this game when they were up. And like, that's for most, I mean, that's fine for Purdue. It's just, they don't have anything approximating plan B. Yeah. And sometimes you need plan B when you're in a competitive football game. Absolutely. And another culprit uh, specifically in this game uh, were penalties. Um, they've lost games before. I can think of the Eastern Michigan game in the rain in 2019, uh, 2018, rather, the Minnesota game in 2019, where they gave up the ghost at the end because of penalties. And yesterday was ridiculous. They scored to go ahead with less than a minute to go. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> not one, but two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the extra point. The first one was on Payne Durham, their tight end who caught the go-ahead touchdown. He just refused to stop talking. And the referee swallowed the whistle during his touchdown celebration while he was yapping at the Syracuse defender. And then after the extra point, he headbutted a Syracuse defender. <laughs> That's 15 yards right there. And then Jeff Brom picked up a 15-yard penalty arguing it. So <laughs> they kicked off from their 10-yard line with less than a minute to go in the game. Syracuse started that drive at their 50. Well, at their 50, at midfield at their at 50. And then two defensive penalties on third and 10. Yeah. Two different defensive penalties on third and 10. So uh, one for 15 yards and one for 10. So half their yards on that game-winning drive were by penalties. So well, they don't have a plan at, B, and they seem to unravel a lot on defense in key moments. 
after the game-winning touchdown, they took another two penalties. So mm-hmm. Syracuse kicked off from the Purdue 35. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody on Twitter was like, oh, you got onside here. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're up three points and there's seven seconds left. So, Well, I mean, yeah. if you're onside, at least you could like maybe dribble the ball out or something. No, you just, just, no, you just kick it through the uprights. And yeah. just, I still think that kicking it through the uprights on a kickoff should be a point. I agree. Yeah. And two points if you hit the uh, the crossbar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> it goes without saying. I'm, I'm with... I'm with Brian, and I wasn't with Seth, and then I thought about it. It's pretty dang hard to hit that crossbar. All right, I forgot there was one more competitive game that Jamie probably doesn't want to talk about. Indiana 33, Western Kentucky 30. How about that? How about that? Wow, guys, this game. Well, first of all, I should mention that I had a college roommate in my Twitter DMs and another college roommate texting me, both of them wondering why I was wasting my time watching. So that's Mm. where Indiana football is right now, I guess. But uh, this, they, this was a slog for the Hoosiers, man. They fell behind early. Uh, they were down 17-10 at half. They were down 24-13 in the third quarter, and they were down eight points two different times in the fourth quarter. But they somehow tied it up. They uh, were able to withstand a missed field goal at the buzzer by Western Kentucky, and then Western Kentucky missed a field goal in overtime, and then finally Indiana won in overtime, and we were all able to move on. To something else. Western Kentucky, I think, blew this game, guys. They uh, they kicked two incredibly short field goals up five points in the fourth quarter to go up eight. And uh, eventually it opened the door for Indiana to come back and tie the game and get into overtime. Yep. I mean, your prognosis here, Indiana's 3-0. and Can they get to a that's bowl? Uh, well, you know, they play Purdue. Um, that's helpful. They play Rutgers. They play uh, Maryland. And they play Cincinnati. The rest of the Big Ten West. The rest of the Big Ten. Oh, West, they're yeah. they're a Big Ten East team. Oh, that's right. They're with yeah. us. That's right. <laughs> so they're, the, oh, think... they're the one that's like hard to remember because it's like the yeah. they're they're locked in with Purdue as one of their teams. But like, um, I think the big problem that Indiana has right now that they have to solve is they're just giving up too many too many big plays. They they were down at the bottom of the national rankings through two games, and um, yesterday they gave up fourteen plays of ten plus and nine plays of twenty plus to Western Kentucky. So. All right, lightning West round. Kentucky's not even a Sun Belt team, so I can't even I can't even crow about that. Blowout lightning round. Oklahoma forty nine, Nebraska fourteen, Minnesota forty nine, Colorado seven, Wisconsin sixty six, New Mexico State seven, Ohio State seventy seven, Toledo twenty one, Iowa twenty seven, twenty seven. Nevada zero in a game that ended at three thirty in the oh morning. Oh my god! <laughs> how, does, how did anybody still be around for that? I mean, I, the the Iowa bloggers I know were still up. They were like, go, they, they were telling people to go to bed. Well, they were also like, oh my god, we just had a touchdown commercial kickoff commercial at three in the morning. <laughs> awesome. So that's what happened. Uh, well. I mean, all the unders, whether we're talking team totals or totals for the game, are still cashing in Iowa games. So that's something to look out for. Although I don't that Rutgers Iowa total. I mean, what? Where's that going to be? Twenty eight points, twenty nine points. I, that's. Can we go back to the Ohio State Toledo quickly because Toledo had a lot of opportunities that they just missed. They did. And yeah. I'm not, and I don't mean like you know, oh, it's third and ten, and then they leave a guy wide open. There was a lot of that too, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, there was just no way they had the talent to cover guys, but they. Dropped a couple interceptions, um, and they had some guys open downfield uh, who just you know beat their dudes off the line. There are some 
if you if you want to look really tightly and like I, you know if we hadn't beaten them last year I would not even be saying it but like there are some cracks in this team still yeah they also put up 763 yards of offense yeah well yeah the the amount of talent that they have out there on offense is just ludicrous right do you guys uh, have a take at all on their game this coming weekend with Wisconsin I'm kind of excited to see if uh, Braylon Allen can do some. Hassan Haskins like damage on him. We'll see. I just don't think Mertz is going to be up for it. I just want to point out that Minnesota was favored by 28 in that Colorado game. Mm-hmm. So that did not come out of nowhere. Yeah. It was no. Colorado was abominable. So they beat Colorado. I told nothing. you. There was nothing to indicate that the game would be closer than that. Yeah. Mel Tucker just like left them with nothing. Uh, and then took their running back. Right. Yeah. Also, I mean, we are going to play Nebraska, so should mention that they're still bad. I mean, yeah, the defense, I mean, ouch. I mean, I don't know what else to, what else to say that we haven't said about their lack of uh, defensive talent. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with David Nasnack and Brian Cook. Get your Halo Victors copies now because Michigan season's about to start. Who's got it better than us? No!